Welcome to The Divine Drunk, Healing Through Laughter, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shaped our lives. I'm Connie Sorensen, your host. I want to create a space for people to laugh with a purpose, be part of the divine entertainer with spiritual truth running through it. Grab a coffee and let's go. Hello, everybody. Um, Welcome to another episode of Divine Junk Healing Through Laughter. I'm so glad you're all able to be here with me today. I am so happy uh, to be able to have uh, Jenny Russell on the show today. Um, I've gotten to know you uh, through our podcast group. And uh, I think, you know, we've suddenly become a kindred spirit and soul. And I just adore you and just really felt compelled that I needed to hear or people needed to hear you and uh, who you are and and, uh, um, and just kind of share yourself with everybody. So um, thank you for taking the time to come on and, and uh, uh, you know, sp- uh, spend some time with me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and for those lovely words. Um, <laughs> I'll always be happy to hear them, but okay. <laughs> You can keep going if you'd like. Oh, but... okay. I can. I can do that. I can do that. I can do no, that. No, no, no. It's okay. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I um, heard about what, you know, your podcast is and, and we've had, you know, many uh, off camera long conversations, which I've absolutely uh, loved. And um, so if you could just tell everybody um, you know, the name of your podcast and just kind of where that came from and, and what made you uh, compelled to start podcasting. Yeah, absolutely. So my podcast is called The Art of Finding Joy and it launches at the beginning of January. And I mean, it really came from wanting to speak with people that have prioritize their own happiness over doing the things that we're told we're supposed to do or doing all the right things Mm. because so often we get told oh just cheer up just be happy and it's like yeah but how how do you find that joy and how do you find what makes you feel fulfilled and in purpose yes it you know it's a bit of a black box and then once you find it you're like oh that was so simple life is so much better now but I really want to open up conversations to show people that everyone can achieve this if it's something that they want yes and I guess um for myself this came when I was dealing with a lot of health issues and very severe pain and I was absolutely miserable and I knew that something had to change because I couldn't keep on living my life this way and I didn't want to wake up in the morning and just wish that it was night already and I didn't want to you know constantly just be focusing on pain not knowing how I was going to get through the next five minutes. Yes. And I had hope, but I didn't know how to use it in a way to make my life better. So I realized that 
my life, even if it didn't look like other people's, it could still be really great because I could choose joy for myself. Yes. And so I started by promising myself that I would find one thing a day that I was grateful for and that made me happy. And at the beginning, it was something super simple. It was like, I made my bed. I brushed my teeth. I drank enough water. My coffee tasted nice. It was really simple. And it was just a practice of committing to the promise I'd made to myself and building some self-trust and some self-connection because I had really lost my way and I don't think I could have been happy without also starting to like myself and love myself again that was gone Mm. and so it wasn't an overnight thing but that one thing a day then became two things a day and three and it got to the point where I didn't need to remind myself to pick out something because my brain now just did that automatically yeah and that was how I brought more laughter into my life again I knew that when I could stop comparing my life to other people I could find that there were things that I was doing now even if all I did was spend the day on the couch that (laughs) I really enjoyed I smiled and I laughed and I loved myself and I was able to change the way like I was able to change my perspective about everything and it was really difficult and I was lucky that I kind of had an instinct on how to do it and I also had my mom who was so supportive of coming onto a more spiritual journey and changing my perspective about things Mm -hmm. but I wanted to create my podcast to you know yeah lead the way a little bit and just make having joy in your life more attainable love that because you're so and you're so right so many people don't love themselves and don't know how to find it And it's that baby steps. And we need to celebrate the baby steps that we take. Because you said there's a lot of comparison that goes on with people. And that's just a natural thing we do. So we always look for the home runs. And I like to say, you know, we have to do the base hits, which is more the baseball game before we can hit the home run which are not very often for normal people. So celebrate the baby steps, the base hits that you get every day that goes towards what your goal is. And then to love yourself and give yourself permission. Yeah. But the thing is that joy is in the journey. Like those home Mm. runs are great. Yes. when we're able to find the joy in the little things, yes. when we're able to celebrate the little victories, yes. that's pure happiness. Yes. Because that happiness is not dependent on a result. 
is not dependent on other things. It's just you. And joy is in the journey, but it's really in the journey of being authentic. Yes. And that's why creating a relationship with yourself is so important. Yes. Because I, I remember, you know, there would be stretches of pain. And by the third day, I, you know, was going crazy in my mind. And I was sitting one day and I thought, like all these really horrible things were coming in my mind, like you're so pathetic and your body's failing and can't you just get up, you're so lazy and all these awful things. And for the first time I heard them and I could notice them because before they were just this autopilot dialogue, internalizing these messages without even realizing that they were going on. And so I heard them and I could notice them and that was step one. Mm -hmm. And then after a little while, I was able to notice them and stop them. I say, "Mm, I don't think that's right. And then as my relationship with myself started to grow and improve, I could notice them, stop them and replace them with something nice. But I couldn't replace them with good things until I actually believed those good things. I didn't want to break myself. Yeah. But, you know, I deserved to be kind to myself. You know, I replaced it with things like, wow, your body is working so hard. Yeah. And isn't that amazing? And aren't I so grateful? And aren't I so proud? And my body's not fighting, like waging a war against me. Me and my body are working together to get through this hard thing. And there were so many little changes like that, that, you know, really helped me cultivate a sense of ease and a sense of peace in my life. Because I was able to accept the things that were yeah. and and change the things that I could. And that was enough. That was great. And I also want to say that I talk about it in steps and this is how it happened. Mm-hmm. But it was not always linear. You know, sometimes I would be able to say really nice things to myself and then the next day, all I could do was just notice this stream of, of nastiness. And just being able to sit in that discomfort and recognize that it's okay if it's not one straight line, but you know, the fact that healing is a really long squiggly line, you know, that comes with practice too, to just be able to accept what is. Yes. But you know, don't be disheartened if you, were able to, if you had a really great day and you found things to be grateful for and you were laughing and then the next day it's not like that yeah please don't be disheartened because you're still on the journey and it and and that as you know resonates so much with me because you had a chronic illness or have a chronic illness because that really never goes away. And I'm also have a chronic illness. And there's so many people out there that have chronic illnesses and are going through these things. And whatever, you know, as you said, we become unkind to ourselves, because we're thinking what the outside world is thinking of us. You know, it's like, oh, you know, they look at me and say, oh, my God, for the love of God, have a salad, which has nothing to do with it. But that's people's perception. And once we get past the perception of other people, which is so difficult, 
then we can start giving ourselves permission to be who we are. And I love that you said it's not a war. Your body's not having a war with you. And I, and I, I felt that because I sometimes think like, why don't you like me, my body? Why are you doing this to me? I'm a nice person. You know, I'm authentic. I give, I, you know, serve. And why is this happening to me? So finding that and changing the language and our self-talk, our inner critic, it, 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 it's like, it's a changing a mindset, which is very difficult while you're still dealing with all of this. And, um, and what you said is absolutely beautiful. And I, I was like, yes, yes. You know, um, allow yourself to have bad days, recognize the good days and, and know that, you know, you just got to keep going forward because we don't have any other choice. People say, oh, you're so strong. I had no other choice, but to be strong. Just I wasn't given a choice. Yeah. Right. Um, so, I mean, the steps that, and the, um, so how long was your chronic, when did your chronic illness start? Well, I first had, um, this pain when I was a kid. Mm. Um, I remember, leaning over the sink to do the dishes with my brother when I was about eight or nine and I had this pain and I remember saying oh my back hurts and and someone went oh stop trying to get out of the dishes like just get on with it and because it would always like come on by me bending forward obviously most things most kind of chores (laughs) were difficult but I never complained because nobody else was complaining and I thought, oh, this must be normal. And then the one time I did, obviously, I got told off. And so it just kind of went like that. And then um, I, my periods were very painful when I was a teenager. And my back pain and leg pain, it was kind of like a nerve pain in that area. And that would get worse with my period. So then I kind of thought, oh, it's period related. And it wasn't, you know, that pain kind of was always there, but it was just my normal. Yes. And I'd gone to see a few people and I'd always been told that there was nothing wrong. Um, so it wasn't really until I went to university that I, you know, again, it was impacting my daily life, but still you just got on with it. And when I started my first job, that's really when it started to become a big problem because I wasn't working on my own time anymore. You know, there was a in the office and I would, I remember at one point I had to call in sick when I had my period and my boss said to me, are you okay? I was like, oh yeah, I'm absolutely fine. It's fine as long as I don't move. I'm like, (laughs) I think my definition of fine needs some refining. (laughs) But I, I believe that as long as I don't move I'm fine and I'm like okay and, yeah. Um, yeah. and then um yeah I life went on and my periods just kept getting more painful and I think also I was going through a lot of stress and that kind of was a big trigger for it too yeah and then I I had a surgery to uh where I was diagnosed with endometriosis and I woke up from the surgery and my 
like I had this stabbing pain in my leg and in my pelvis and it was really horrific it was so bad and this doctor just laughed at me and said we didn't go anywhere near that I don't know what that is and I couldn't even put any weight on my leg for two weeks they just went oh we don't know they're like we we found some endometriosis we moved it that was the only thing there okay bye and after that everything just kind of kept getting worse and worse and worse and I was in constant 24-7 pain I had the pelvic pain and the back pain and even though endometriosis made sense it didn't tick all the boxes yeah and um then a couple of years later I tried everything literally everything I knew to try hormone therapies pain therapies an inpatient pain clinic which was exactly not what I needed but my insurance said I needed to go and And, um, yeah crazy weird therapies everything and I ended up having another surgery Um, this was about two years later not quite two years later and um, yeah it was quite scary because they'd really prepared for the worst they'd said you might wake up with a colostomy bag and which luckily didn't happen you know I'm very thankful for that but you go in thinking okay well yes the chips will fall where they may and yeah it was on multiple organs and I woke up and the surgery went well but my leg was numb I couldn't feel it I couldn't move it nothing and um this lasted for about five days and the weird thing is is that um I was so used to my feet kind of losing feeling or you know them going a bit fuzzy or pins and needles or something and everything you know it would just always be something that I didn't even question the fact that my leg was numb (laughs) (laughs) I know that sounds so silly but I guess when you you know your perception of your body is a bit warped when things yes. just things happen all the time yes and it wasn't until a doctor walked in on the fifth day and he went so miss russell let's talk about this paralysis and you're like excuse me <laughs> we don't use that word in here <laughs> <laughs> my jokes quickly turned into uh, excuse me and yes. um then they started to run some tests and they suspected that there was endometriosis on the sciatic nerve, which is, it is rare, but it's not as rare as you think it is. Yes. Um, Yeah. But they, it's a very, um, very difficult surgery um, and very specialized. And they basically said, we can't do it here. So you should talk to a psychologist if the pain gets worse. Um, which um you know I don't I sorry go ahead no no you go (laughs) I said I find that with with chronic pain that you know you get you get shuffled off a lot yeah because people don't know why um if it's not you know this and this and this you said well we only went in here so anything out of that is not my business that's not what I do is that nobody's I find they're willing to you know figure out what is wrong and we get ignored we get shuffled off we get 
you know, it's in your head, it's, you know, you need to just find happy, get whatever it is, and this will go away. And I, it just, and it irritates me because that's not it at yeah. all. And I think chronic illness is so under talked about and understood that, um, you know, I'm glad that you're sharing your story with us. Um, because, Again, I, I have a chronic illness as well, and it's frustrating. And I, what you've gone through is just um, amazing. And I know that there's more to this story, um, but it just shows that it, it lasts. I mean, chronic pain is not something that just comes and goes. It's there for a long time, if not ever, for some people. Um, and you live in another country, which doesn't which also you know makes it different for where i'm in canada and people who are in the u.s understand that where you're in germany right now so again the system is completely different than what we're we know so when we hear we think oh we then this and this and this but that's not how it works over there and how you had to you had to maneuver the system to get what you needed yeah so yeah and also doing it in a different language I mean yes. I don't know why I decided to make things so much harder for myself but there you go and even you know you really have to become the detective yes if you don't push forward things don't move absolutely right and you know and that's why it was so important for me as well to be able to live well yeah. in the meantime yeah. Because, you know, to an extent, you don't have control over how long this process takes. Yeah. There's so many other moving parts. And so, you know, it's like even when I went to this pain clinic and I spent three weeks there and you did all sorts of different things there, you know, it's funny because I had gone there expecting that they would do a lot more investigation and figure out what the issue was. And this is just anecdotal, but I think to some extent it is true that with the men, they were doing more investigations and they were doing scans and they were looking into things. And with the women, it tend to be more, here's antidepressants. And I found that very difficult. And they also said to me, you know, we're very impressed with how you deal with this. You're not anxious, you're not depressed but you've tried every single thing already that we would suggest. And so this is just gonna be your life. You just have to accept that this is gonna be your life forever. And you need to stop having hope that things can change because when you have hope, then you get disappointed and it's harder and harder to pull yourself out of these disappointments. And I just turned to her and I said, I completely agree and believe that it's important to accept the situation for what it is right now. I refuse to believe that this is forever. And, you know, I also knew then at that point, because I think at this point I was eight months into my kind of journey to finding joy and living well. And I really had found a lot of peace I was in a good place yeah and when I started to live in more gratitude 
I did notice there was a drop in my pain. I didn't freak out when I had big pain flares. I was able to just ride them out. I was able to stay calm. I was able to focus on other things and still feel fulfilled. Mm. And when the pain stopped, it kind of plateaued. And I was like, okay, well, whatever's left, that's the physical thing that needs to be treated. And it gave me a lot more confidence to say, no, I know that this thing, this is not psychosomatic and, mm-hmm. and we still need to look further. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't want to and that's okay. But something I really have an issue with is that if it's not in the, in the set box of symptoms that you get yes. off or the, you know, the very obvious diagnosis, and then the doctor doesn't know what the issue is. It then mm-hmm. becomes your fault. Yes. That it's psychosomatica in your head. Yes. And I would have so much respect for doctors if they said to me, I don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. Either I'm going to refer you to a colleague who can help you because this is not my area. Mm-hmm. Or if you would like, let's try to figure it out together. Yeah. It's okay to not have the answers. Yes. But don't bullshit me. Yeah. Don't gaslight me that if you don't know the answer, then there therefore must be my fault. You know? And so I think this is such a big issue, especially with women's health, that we are told to doubt our own bodies. And we are told that we're not a reliable driver in our own car. But, you know, everybody else's opinion, doctors, family, bosses, friends, whoever it is, you know, you can listen to them and they might have really good advice for you. But at the end of the day, it's your choice about which direction the car goes in. It's not the doctor in the driver's seat, it's you. Mm-hmm. And that is so empowering because you get to say no if it's not something you want to do or it's something that doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. and so often we're so desperate for help yes even if it's something we don't want to do you know we walk into an appointment thing I don't want to do that and then the doctor says well this is the only option otherwise I can't help you and you go okay well I don't have any other options so I'll just do it yes and I've been in that situation and even though I knew it was something that I really didn't want to do. And I also knew it was something that had a lot of very dangerous side effects that my doctor actually hadn't told me about. I still was like, well, I don't know who else to go to. Yeah. And I think that's really, really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I think me as a woman who is able to do my own research and you know, make educated decisions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, a lot of the time I wasn't a very good advocate for myself, but I've learned how to do that. Yeah. If I have found it this difficult, what about other people? Yes. Yes. And we need to open up the conversation about, you know, chronic illness and about advocating for yourself and about listening to your body. Yes. You know, yes. I, I remember um, 
when I first stopped working, I had to stop working because it just got to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't cope with it. And my boss said to me, so what do you do all day? And I was like, I felt so uncomfortable. I was like, oh, I don't know. Well, um, yeah, I, I'm like, mm -hmm. And I, you know, I felt so insecure about the fact that all I was doing was resting. Yes. And now I would say, I'm not on holiday, I'm sick. When yes. you've got the flu, you spend five days in bed and that's perfectly acceptable. Well, that's the same, but it doesn't go away. And yes. if you're sick of hearing about it, imagine what it's like living with it. Mm. And I, you know, because sometimes I get so conscious about talking about it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm managing other people's expectations. Mm -hmm. And every time there was a misdiagnosis, you know, someone mm -hmm. says, How was this scan? Or how was this appointment? You say, Oh, well, it's this. And then two months later, it's changed. And yes. I'm like, I'm the one that's being flaky, you know? Yes. And it's, it's, so difficult to just keep your own emotions in check sometimes yeah that you you know or I did at least my circle of friends got a lot smaller because I didn't have any updates except for really personal things yeah and so it was just a few people that I that kind of knew the story so if my only update was I felt really rubbish yesterday. Yeah. That was okay. Yeah. Because even with them, I felt um, uncomfortable with expressing how bad something was yeah. or that something had changed. And I would downplay yeah. it with them. And I would, on the one hand, not want to show this vulnerability of struggling. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I mean, it's completely irrational, yes. but I was upset that they didn't see how hard it was. Yeah. I'm like, yes, but Jenny, that's because you're really good at hiding it. You did that yeah. on purpose. <laughs> is I, absolutely, 100%, we do yeah. that. Yes. So, yes. you know, you, you get to choose who to let in and who not to let in. Yeah. But I think there's a pressure to keep up the facade. Yes. And when I found people that I did not have to pretend with anymore, yeah. it's like, these are my people. Yes. The people that just got it. Yes. And that's why, that's one of the reasons why the chronic illness community is so fabulous because you don't have to explain why you have to cancel something at the last minute because yes. they also just understand that you don't have to send a, you know, a text message. Of, I'm so sorry. I missed this. And I'm so sorry. I have to cancel. And blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah. Yeah. Because They're, we're apologizing on yeah. behalf of something that we don't have any control over. Absolutely. Cause there's and so it, much shame around yeah. this. Yeah. So much shame. And as you said, in all those levels, it's what people say to us and, you know, pe friends and people that, you know, okay, so how did your test and stuff go? What's negative? Oh, well, that's great. But then something else pops up and it's like, oh, again, okay. And, you know, so you stop talking about it. And I, my friends have given me a smack on the nose many times about this because then I stopped telling even my family, I stopped telling them because it's always seems to be something. And then you think, I think, so I start making decisions for people of what they're thinking. 
and saying, I'm not going to share this with them because now they're tired of hearing about it, which is not fair to them. But because once you find your tribe, they don't care. They will hear it a hundred times. But there's this other big group of people is who we're comparing ourselves to, where the shame, you know, as your 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 boss, you couldn't even tell them that you were resting. And I did, I hundred percent know that. Well, what do you do? Uh, well, I'm busy doing this, but I'm not <laughs> because I can't. But we feel we need to justify why we're at home. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say something that is so important rest is productive yes that is one of the most important things that is your job that day you are doing your job by having a nap by zoning out by just relaxing on the sofa that is your job because rest is productive because if we don't rest we will then have to spend much longer recovering mm -hmm. and if we don't rest we also cannot show cannot show up the way we want to yeah. for the other things you know because our energy is so precious and we save up all those days to be able to go and do that one thing yes and if we don't rest then we don't even get the joy of doing that one thing and so on those days where you feel bad and you feel guilty, please tell yourself that rest is productive. And it, yes, yeah. love that. It is. And also, you know, going back to the language that we use, I also found that changing the way that I communicated, you know, instead of saying, sorry, I can't come, I would say, thank you for the invitation and thank you for understanding that I'm not able to make it. You know, Love, yes. Always turn it into a positive, you know, like, and the people that don't understand that, they're not your people. Yes. I love that. I'd love that. Cause we do, we apologize for everything. Yeah. And I'm a Canadian. We apologize for everything. <laughs> I'm English. We apologize too. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Oh, sorry. That's not even my fault. But sorry, right? Like, it's just what we do. Yeah. If someone bumps um, into you yeah. and you're there, apologize. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. That's what we do. So to um to you know first thing and I do it myself. We, I'm sure we all do. We're all quite. Oh, I do that. Text. Sorry. Sorry. I can't come. Sorry. Sorry. I have to change. Sorry. Sorry. Um, so I love that. I love that, that, as you said, just by changing the language, um, it's a positive versus, oh my God, I'm sorry. Now you think they're going to be angry and you're trying to explain yourself. So they're not disappointed or angry in you. And it's like, okay, why, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Um, so I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to have a chronic illness. It's so hard. But also, you know, I 100% do not want to go through it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I feel very grateful for the fact that I had the time 
forced time, but yes. I had the time to really question a lot of the things in my life and what I liked and what I didn't like. And, you know, when I had to stop working, my illness had got to the point where all I did was work and sleep. And when I stopped working, that was really my identity. And I had, you know, my quarter life crisis. <laughs> I was like, well, what, what do I actually want to do? What's important to me? Who am I outside of meeting these deadlines and getting approval and praise from this person and having to sit with my emotions and physically not being able to run away? And so you're like, <laughs> well, okay time to face the music yeah it was hard it was so uncomfortable but I was able to fall in love with myself you know mm. <laughs> and how lucky am I mm-hmm. that I get to live the rest of my life learning lessons that other people often don't learn until much later in life yes and I get to live my life in this capacity with this gratitude and with this joy and also knowing exactly who my people are and which people I need to let go of Mm -hmm. and lovingly just you know letting them go yeah and meeting people like you that get it you know and there is a bond there is a special understanding yeah I also feel grateful to have had a chronic illness in the time of the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Cause we, yes. Cause you can research and, you know, and I've done that. I've brought papers and said, okay, cause mine's very rare as well. It's like, okay, yeah, of course it is. And I've done a lot and they didn't know what to do with it. There's nobody in Canada that actually treats this. Um, but as again, it's about being the advocate. It's about, you know, researching and finding out because you know, in your heart, there's something else that I refuse to accept um, your opinion. And you're allowed to have your opinion, but I, in my heart, do not believe that was the answer. Yeah. And hearing, you know, live with it. No, you know, um, and if I, ha- and if you have to, then what are the skills I need to learn in order to have a, um, a life that I, that I love? Yeah. Well, so much of healthcare is just about life and death. Yes. It's not about quality of life. Yeah. And without social media, I wouldn't, I dread to think how much longer it would have taken me. Yeah. Because, you know, when I got told, numb leg go see a psychologist it was social media it was from my own research that I knew of someone who could potentially help me and I reached out to them and had to fill out all these forms of like you know where's the pain all the symptoms and all that kind of stuff and they'd said to me that I was going to have to travel there for an appointment to see if surgery was needed and after I filled out the forms I said oh actually um you don't need to do that. We can just have a Zoom call. I was like, okay, cool, great. Saves me a trip. Because it wasn't in Germany. There was no one in Germany that did it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I had the Zoom call. And the first thing they said to me was, so I think we have a problem here. <laughs> I was like, well, I could have told you that for free. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> um, they said, yeah, we definitely need to do surgery. Um, 
you have to heal from the first one that you've just had, but you know, then it's quite urgent. So I, you know, it was a real faff to try and get everything together and in the middle of a pandemic and the first time traveling after Brexit and, you know, nightmare, I was on my own. And anyway, I, I say I was on my own and, and I was, but I had so many people step up to help me along the yes. way. People yeah. I didn't even know that well. Aww. And um, yeah, I, I truly believe that, you know, you are so supported and so loved mm-hmm. by the universe and it yes. will come to help you if you ask for it. Yes. And so I, I got there and I met the surgeon and I felt very safe and had the surgery and when I woke up my leg was numb again but it was planned this time so you know that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it wasn't a sciatic endometriosis but it was um well it was called a, a vascular entrapment so a nerve a vein was in the wrong place and it was trapping all the nerves in the sacral plexus and the sciatic nerve um because it was so big and um yeah that it that just meant that the nerves were so squished that that was why every single time I moved it was so yeah. painful because yeah. there was just friction yeah um and it's probably something I've had since I was born um and um yeah also the surgery they said to me afterwards thankfully you know that it it was really dangerous and but it was all no complications everything went well and it's now been nine months since and there's still parts of my leg that feel fuzzy you know I don't have all the feeling back but you know I've taught myself how to walk again and yes I can do more things and it's happening you know like I have days where I'm like my goodness mm-hmm. this is gonna be my life now how incredible is that mm-hmm. yes and you know it's it's a different type of um managing my joy now you know like because before it was like I just this is my baseline of it being constant pain Mm -hmm. and I'm just gonna find the little things that make me feel better and now it's like you have those days that are so good and then you have the you know you've got one foot in the good camp and one camp and one (laughs) recovering camp still yeah you know sometimes it feels like your feet are on two trains and they're like going (laughs) on different train tracks you know like skiing that's me skiing yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's it's about balance it's about patience you know it's a very humbling experience yes and um you just don't lose hope Mm -hmm. Yes, because hope will, as you said, you know, you have to hold on to that and, and, uh, and you refuse through this whole thing to give up hope. And so many people have given up because they've been told to, or the help is not there and that and then they just, you know, give up and it's like, oh my God, like, you can't do that. Like, Like, you know, and I know that there are some illnesses where, you know, this there is nothing they can do. Um, but we also have to remember we have this. And again, I go back to your comment, which just really resonates is that the body is at war with me. Well, it's actually not. Um, and that changes 
you know, again, the whole thing right there. It's now we got to work together instead of, you know, doing this. So, um, yeah, that's, that's uh, an important thing, I think, for people to hear. And it can, you know, get better. And I love that, you know, you work, because we have to be our biggest advocate. We do. And you do, and you were, you're just like me. I'm an investigator, right? I go and say, hey, like, what about this? What about that? And I think a lot of people don't feel that they have that voice and they don't have, um, you know, the, uh, the system doesn't work like that. Um, you know, however, because I know the U.S. is a lot different than us in Canada. And, and it's, I mean, it's different all over and people have all their challenges, but it's still something worth fighting for. You're worth fighting for. I'm worth fighting for. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm so, so happy because we've talked about your story before and I was just in awe at what you have done for yourself because if you hadn't done this you wouldn't be where you were you kept you know persevering it's that perseverance as you kept going you knew in your heart this was not the end there was something out there and one of the reasons why it's so important to build that Mm self-trust and that Mm self-esteem is that you deserve to live a good life and you deserve to be happy and you deserve the best treatment options available Mm -hmm. to be able to live as low pain as low symptom as possible and when you believe that you are deserving you can walk into a room differently And you can, you know, if you're having a doctor who's being dismissive or being just awful, you can dump them. You're allowed to. You don't have to sit there and take the abuse. And, you know, I say abuse and it sounds like a really harsh word, but someone dismissing you, that's not okay. No. You know, that's not the way you deserve to be treated. Yeah. And, you know, I also know that like I would often go to appointments by myself because I'm living away from my family. And if you brought someone else with you, you get treated better normally, mm-hmm. especially if it's a man. You know, like I've had friends tell me that they went to an appointment with their partner and the doctor would ask the partner if what they were saying was true. Wow. So you have to, yeah, it's, it's awful. So, you know, it's figure out what's best for you, you know, figure out how to get your case across the best and of that to bring someone with you to make you feel comfortable or even just to give you that confidence boost. Because another thing is that when we live with our symptoms for so long, we, you know, feel the need to downplay them to a doctor as well. Or we, you know, that, that fun game of, is this just a normal symptom or is this a symptom I should be worried about? You know, all the, you wake up in the morning and you're like, I feel sick. Am I sick enough to call in sick or (laughs) am I just sick enough like normal? And we play these ridiculous, like, would you rather games in your head? And, (laughs) And writing things down 
can be really helpful too. You know, writing your symptoms down and yes. then going to the doctor and saying these are the things. Yeah. And because you know, I have done this where like I had really really bad pain, but you know, I'll just say, oh yeah, eh, it was kind of bad, but it went away and actually it didn't go away. But if you've got it written down, it's harder to ignore. Yes. Yes. Voice memo. Yes. All sorts of things, but um, once you start to put things down on paper, you can realize that you know you're not going crazy. You've got proof Mm. that it happened, and then you start to doubt yourself a little bit less, and that's just another way that you build this self trust, right? Yes. Gaslighting is evil. Medical gaslighting is evil. Yeah. You know, the the psychological part of dealing with a chronic illness is one thing, but the treatment and the poor management and all of these things that just adds to it. Yes. And, yes, um, I agree. And you got to find ways to deal with it. Yeah. So amazing. The yeah, they're not the driver. No, no, you're right. And and you said right at the beginning, we feel that we're not the driver in our own car. And it's so true. So true. And I was so, um, uh, you know, amazed at your story. And uh, so, I mean, even with the podcast, The Art of Finding Joy, I mean, just what you've shared with us today has even, you know, so much, um, you know, uh, ideas and and tricks and things like that that we can change for people to find that joy and knowing we're deserving and and people need to hear that not you know say I'm deserving but they also need to hear somebody say you are deserving I believe you are deserving you know you need to um so I am so looking so forward and I think your your podcast is really gonna um shift people with chronic illness because again it's not talked about but people in so many other um situations and whatever it is whatever uh we need to find joy in our life and again you know you and I are on the same track and as you and you said with we're talking about with COVID how many people are depressed and you know doom and gloom that you hear everywhere and and uh, on the news and in newspapers and things like that so people are have changed you know their mindset and everything has changed um and people are, are angry because we're in this and and things like that so we need to give people a space to f- talk about finding those things again yeah you know i think sometimes people feel like no, it's like, it's one thing if you've got something really difficult going on, like an illness or a bad relationship or whatever it may be, grief. But when everything's going fine, people don't feel like they're allowed to say that they're unhappy. Yeah. Because they're like, well, everything is, you know, I'm ticking all the boxes and I'm doing all the right things, but is this just what life is? I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And that's why part of my podcast is about people who prioritize their happiness over doing the things that they're supposed to do yes because you know there are sometimes you know we can follow these very clear lanes of finish school maybe go to university meet someone get married buy a house have a baby and you know that that can be a really good life but it also you know 
for some people, that's just what they know how to do. And it doesn't really make them feel fulfilled. Yes. They kind of go, I've got all these things and I like them and I'm grateful for them, but, but what next? Yes. And so we're allowed to find different pieces and put together our own puzzle. You know, whether it's like, I like this food, I'm going to learn how to cook it. And I want to go back to university and do this. Or I want a career change or I want to meet new people or whatever it is. We're allowed to make our own path. And I hope that this podcast can give some inspiration about Mm -hmm. all the amazing, wonderful things there are in this world that we are allowed to experience. Yeah. And it's okay to start new. Hey, you know, like we're going to be working until we're 80 at this rate. So it doesn't matter if you start a new career when you're 40. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's all okay. Change is good. And you know what? Change is inevitable. And when you can embrace it rather than be dragged along by it, you are allowed, you have the power to decide how it fits into your puzzle yes and so I just I want to yeah open up the conversation that we don't have to live in fear and stress states Mm -hmm. that when we have a good relationship with ourselves, we can walk into new situations knowing that even if the the end game is unknown. And even if it doesn't go to plan, it doesn't matter because we will be able to figure it out. Yes, that's incredible. Oh, I can't wait. So when is your podcast launching? And where January can people find you? January the 4th, it's launching all the regular podcast places. I'm on Instagram. You can follow me at underscore Jenny Russell, J-E-N-N-I. R U W S E W L, and um, yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm gonna post all my podcast stuff on Instagram, and that's where ready to change the world. Oh, I don't know about that, but you know, if (laughs) if if it helps one person, yeah, if it makes one person feel less alone, yeah, then that's good. Yes, and I feel you will make an impact you will make an impact with the people that you talk to and and as you said whether it's one person you've made an impact and then the other person like I really feel that you know you're allowing people to step into this space and um, feel what they feel from so many different angles because you have experience with chronic illness which I know is a big one and all these different things and just you know go over and above and know that they're deserving and I think that's just beautiful so I'm looking so forward to listening to this when it launches and uh, in the bio um, everybody will be able to have all um, what can see the links to your podcast and, and Instagram and things like that but I wanted to thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story with us. And um, I'm so inspired by you and I just absolutely adore you. And I really feel that, um, as you said, we find our tribe, right? And it's funny how 
things come into place and then you find people that you 100% connect with who get it, who really get it. And I believe that in you. And I think you're going to have a lot of people um, that you're going to be able to touch and change. And I think that's, I'm looking so forward to seeing that happen. You're so kind to me. Thank you for saying such lovely things. And I adore you too. Thank you. I'm so grateful that we got to meet and that you held this lovely conversation for me to just speak and see see whatever comes out. And um, I know that, yeah, people are going to just love your podcast too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, if I have people like you on there, they're going to love it. (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. it. Do one of your accents. Do it. You can't put me on the spot like this. <laughs> you have to prepare. <laughs> oh, what an amazing way to start or to end this podcast is you having your accent, which I absolutely love. So again, thank you, Jenny. I appreciate you. I know you and I will talk again and uh, I'm looking forward to people plugging into your podcast. Thank you. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was a great episode. I certainly got some takeaways and I hope you did too. If you liked it, please follow me on all the platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, and we're even on YouTube if you want to see how funny we really look. Just remember, smile every day and best of all, just be you. See you next time.